Welcome back, everyone. I'm Sarah Peck, and this is the Startup Pregnant Podcast. Hello, hello, everyone. I am kind of shocked to look at my the podcast and see that we are on episode 100. I don't know how that happened. I think it's kind of like having children and you look and you're like, how do I have a two-year-old? How do I have a five-year-old? How do I have a 10-year-old? How does this keep happening? Well, today we are on episode number 100 and I am kind of shocked that it's happened. I'm so glad that we have this podcast and I wanted to take today to go back and look at some of the things I've learned from having a podcast for about a year and a half now and from recording 100 episodes. Welcome to the Startup Pregnant Podcast, where we talk to creative leaders about what it means to be an entrepreneur and a parent. I'm your host, Sarah K. Peck. Before we begin today's episode, a heads up that the Wise Women's Council is now here. For those of you that have been waiting to hear about the Mastermind, it is now open and we are accepting applications. For the entire month of February 2019, applications will be open. The Wise Women's Council is a gathering of a group of women where we come together for nine months to learn from each other, go deep, and meet regularly for advice, wisdom, and sharing around the journeys of parenthood and entrepreneurship. Applications are open right now, February 2019, and they will close on February 25th, 2019. Get your application in early to be considered on a first-come, first-served basis. Definitely don't wait until the last minute. And also, here's two cents for you, my two cents. Done is always better than perfect when it comes to applying to something. So if you are wondering whether or not you should apply or worried about your application, go ahead and get it in rather than stressing about it. If you are listening to this and it is the last minute, however, still go apply. You never know what can happen. Go to startuppregnant.com slash WWC, that's for Wise Women's Council, or to startuppregnant.com slash mastermind. They both link to the same page, so you can either type in startuppregnant.com slash mastermind or slash WWC. And you will go to the page with all the details and you can click the button that says apply and fill out your application. Applications probably take about 15 minutes to do because I want to get to know you and really dig in to what you're working on. So don't wait. Definitely don't wait till the last minute. It's not a huge application, but it does take a little bit of thought because I want to get to know you if we are going to be working together for the next year. As many of you know, masterminds have changed my life, and being in community with other women is one of the top reasons I credit with my success. So I encourage you to go and apply. Maybe the thing that can really unlock your success this year is being in the community of other women. So go apply. So today is all about how we got to 100 episodes of the podcast and what I have learned from making 100 episodes. I have a couple of different things to tell you. When I thought about putting this episode together, I realized how much there is that I could share 
And I got a little overwhelmed by the fact that I could probably put together an, an entire series just on podcasting. And I got in way over my head. So I'm going to try to keep this short, sweet and simple and boil it down to the most important things that I've learned about podcasting and about what this show has brought me, about what it has taught me, and about why it has been more important than I even realized in building the Startup Pregnant community. So when I I posted on social media, I asked people to let me know what they wanted to learn. Like, what is it that you want to know about recording 100 episodes? Like, what are you curious about? What do you want to know? And people responded and they said they really wanted to know about the technical details, about the time and the commitment, about the lessons I've learned and things like that. And I want to dive into each of these points. So first, how much time does a podcast take? I will say the first lesson that I learned in recording a podcast is that it does take a lot of work. It takes a tremendous amount of work. It's kind of like blog posts. It can take a lot of time and a lot of energy to do it. And you can do it. It is a lot of work, but it is also entirely possible. For me, the learning curve was really, really steep in the beginning because it's just kind of overwhelming about how much there is to learn. What kind of microphone should I get? How should I set it up? What does the recording sound like? Am I going to do the editing on my own? Should somebody else do the editing? Where do I publish it? It gets kind of overwhelming. And I ended up going to Pat Flynn's website, and he has a whole free how to start a podcast resource that's really, really useful. And it walks you through all the steps for everything you need to start a podcast. And what I did was I went through that entire, it's not quite a blog post, I think it's a web page, I went through the entire blog post, and I just step by step methodically made sure that I had a show title, a tagline, I had all of the descriptions for what it would be. I had my imagery and the artwork that I wanted. And I just made sure that I had all the pieces that I needed. He also recommended a microphone and a setup that you can use. And I have an Apple computer. So I use GarageBand to record my episodes. So I think I decided to start the podcast in June. That's when I put out a call on Patreon for people to support the podcast. And we launched our first episode at the very end of September. So it took me about three months to get the first episodes recorded. And a lot of that is coordinating and finding the guests that I wanted, uh, reaching out, setting up calendar invitations, doing the recording of it, then putting the notes files together. I ended up hiring an editor and getting everything set up. So for me and my workflow over here on the podcast, I have now a system where I reach out to guests and I have a nomination form where people can pitch themselves. I reach out to guests at least three months in advance. I try to batch all of my interviews so that I can do a lot of the podcasting stuff all at one time. We set up a time for an interview. I make sure that it's at least 90 minutes long because I don't want to run too tight because I want to ask a lot of questions. I use Skype and a Yeti stereo microphone and GarageBand. So Skype has a built-in plugin or program. No, it doesn't have a built-in. You have to get it. It's called Call Recorder for Skype. And I do this on an Apple computer. You can Google for how people have different setups. Like this is the more important thing than me telling you exactly what my workflow is, is that there are, are some really good tutorials out there that have workflows that'll show you how to start a podcast and how to set it up. That's what I did is I went out and I looked at what other people were doing. I followed the workflows and the total cost to starting, I think it was about, it was under $200. 
to start because I bought the microphone and I already owned a computer and the GarageBand application program software was free. So about $200 to get started. I did a lot of cold pitching to people and I said, I want to have you on my show. It's going to be about this. So I would actually almost recommend this is before you even start the show, try to get the best quality guests that you can get. Because if your show already exists and it's out there and people can listen to it, they might be a little more judgmental than something that's hypothetical and a possibility. So depending on who the guest is. So that's how I started. It was a steep learning curve. It took me several months to figure out the pieces and the components to understand what tools I needed to buy them, to have them delivered, to set them up, to experiment. Another piece that took a long time there was designing the show itself. So how does the sequence of the show work? Where is the introduction? What does the content flow look like? Where does the episode header go, the part where I think you all know, <laughs> you can rewind it and you'll hear it goes da 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 da, like that part where it does the show and the music. Picking the music took some time because I used an online, there's a lot of online places where you can download audio. The way that you can go to download visual images, like at an Unsplash or a is Unsplash and Pexels are really good image-based tools. I used Pond5 as a place to download audio files. So I I was surprised how long it took to listen to lots of audio files and feel what the music felt like. Because there's some like really serious music and you realize that like dun 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 at the start of a podcast wouldn't make sense. You're like dun 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 is too serious. And then really soft classical music would also not make sense. So listening through all the different music styles took me some time. But I did it and I did it mostly by reading other people's tutorials and figuring it out. The tutorials out there are great. There's lots of stuff on YouTube. There's classes that you can take for, again, under $100, I believe. It just, the biggest investment is your time and your willingness to learn. From there, I had to decide whether or not I wanted to do all the editing myself or if I was going to hire somebody to help me with the editing. And I asked around for a couple of recommendations and I found somebody that did podcasting editing and reached out to him and he did a an hour-long consultation with me on Skype and we talked through the whole workflow. We talked through how to set up a podcast and he was really helpful in showing me the ropes in the beginning and then showing me how to set up getting connected to all the platforms to publish the podcast. How do you get it to publish to iTunes and Google Podcasts and Spotify and all the other places? So that... I think at the time that consultation was $200 for a two-hour session, but that could be about the range to have somebody show you all the ropes. And then what was next? After we did that, I had an editor in-house, and then you can look around for different audio editors, and then they charge a per-episode fee for how much to it would cost to edit the show, and that varies wildly depending on how complex your show is, how many different pieces there are, how much music... If it's just a straight interview show and they're editing it and could be on the lower end of things, I know there are people that do it for $25 to $50 per episode. And then for a higher quality edit and publish, it's $150-ish per episode. It also depends on the length of the show. So that was jumping in and getting into podcasting. I know a lot of people have asked me questions about this and they wanted to know what it was like and how much it costs. So I may in the future put together a manual of like how I started a podcast, but it is unlikely that I will because 
I don't think that a huge part of my audience wants to start a podcast. Correct me if I'm wrong. Like if you all want to start podcasts, then I will go start teaching how to start a podcast. But there are also tons of people out there that do a really good job of this. And I don't think it's my sweet spot to teach this particular skill. So if you are curious to know more about starting a podcast, I do highly recommend Pat Flynn's resources. He has both a free outline and then he has, I think it's called Power Up Podcasting. He has a course as well. I'm not an affiliate. It's just something I've seen on the internet. And it takes you through how to start a podcast. And I would go take that, actually, if I were starting again, that would be something I would probably do. So it is a lot of work. Read through the tutorials if you're going to start one. Dedicate time to it. And and it has to be a commitment. It is highly worth it. It's definitely something I recommend, but it is not for the faint of heart. So if you are thinking of starting a podcast or you just want to know what I have learned from doing it, know that the time cost is pretty high. I still probably spend about one day per week in terms of time, one of five days that I have to work on podcasting alone. Between researching uh, the people that I am interviewing, coming up with the questions that I want to ask them, being really present and very focused during the interviews, that takes a tremendous amount of energy and time just because I'm paying attention to everything they say and absorbing it and thinking about what are the next questions I want to ask and and where is this conversation going? It is a lot of time. I then take the interview, edit it down, put together the notes for like, here's how I want it edited and the sequence, send it over to my editor, send it over. I now have a copywriter who helps a content creator and then get it all published up through all of the channels and create a blog post for each episode. So it is probably a fifth of my time right now is just creating this podcast. So while the time cost is high, the time cost is only high if you think of it strictly in terms of cost or hours, right? Oh, it takes this many hours and it costs this much money. It's so expensive and it's so much time. It's so much energy to create a podcast. But there is an incredible amount of benefit, which brings me to the next main point or lesson learned from doing 100 episodes of the show. Interviewing 100 different people And getting to know the lives of all of these different women as they go through pregnancy and parenting, motherhood, entrepreneurship, and leadership is an incredible gift and an incredible thing to do. I feel like I am getting an MBA because I am going through and learning from some of the smartest people I've ever met. And I get to ask them questions that I haven't heard them answer before or things that maybe they haven't spoken about publicly. I read all of their books and I research them and then I listen to not only their stories and their wisdom that they've shared publicly, but I also try to find the insights for how their parenting lives and their entrepreneurial lives intersect. I feel like over the last two years I have had, not only have I had two babies, but I've also interviewed a huge number of women and been able to dig deep into concepts and themes that aren't even being taught at institutions yet because we're just barely starting to find the language and shape the language around what it means to be a mother, what it means to be a parent, what it means to be an entrepreneur and a leader. For that, I think that the work of doing this podcast has been invaluable. It has been incredible. So when I look back and I think about all the guests that we have gotten to interview, I am, I mean, a smile is coming to my face when I look at each of these guests back on our archive list. And if you go to startuppregnant.com slash archive, you can actually see a whole list of all the episodes we've ever done, which is a really fun way to kind of glance through the entire series. 
But just looking through it now, I mean, some of the ones that stand out in my mind are, and people talk about all the time, the episode with Annie Dean of Work, W-E-R-K, where she talked about the future of work and working in so many different ways than what work looks like now. And with Lauren Smith Brody, we had her on as a guest. She's the author of The Fifth Trimester. And she talks all about the return to work and what it feels like as a working mom, especially immediately after during that postpartum period. And it's amazing. I am there right now in my own fifth trimester and all the things she talked about, I totally feel. I loved the interview with Nicole Walters on adoption and our anonymous interview with, we called her Anne, and she was really open and candid about infertility. Tiffany Dufu came on the show and she talked about doing less and dropping the ball and really what an equal partnership can look like. Sarah Lacey, because she came on the show twice and we talked about smashing the patriarchy and chairman mom and her book. I loved having also Michelle Florendo came on the show. She has been in my mastermind and she's an amazing um, decision researcher out in California. And she came on and did a whole episode on decision making. We had Kathleen Shannon talk about postpartum depression and daycare. Parajat Deshpande came and she talked about high-risk pregnancy and her experience with having a micropremie. Oh my God, there's so many good people in here. I'm looking at this. I am so grateful that this is what I got to do for the last year. Renee Warren came on and shared her super geeky systems thinking processes and her operations manuals for her family. Peng Scherer came on and talked about motherhood and how it really broke her open, but opened up a new channel of her artistry. We've talked about fear and courage and depression. We've talked about finding your tribe. Nisha Moodley talked about sisterhood. Wow, this is really fun to look back and see all these guests that we got to have. Oh, and Emily Oster, who is coming back on the show, we invited her back to talk about her newest book, which is called Crib Sheet. In the episode we did with her, uh, she couldn't say the name of the book yet, but now we know the name of the book, and I'm going to invite her back to talk about her book. Looking at all of these people, I realized just how many interviews we've done and how many people we've had on the show and what a wonderful gift it is really to be able to connect with all of these people. If you're thinking about doing a podcast, the time is intense, but it's also just as much about the, I hate the word networking, but I think everybody listening knows what I mean. Like it is about the networking, about connecting with new people and new ideas and starting to carve out a space and a voice and a platform for something that you want to be known for. So this has been a really incredible business opportunity of its own, one that is slowly growing and taking its own time and expands with each episode that we create. And you never really notice how much is changing day over day, but then slowly it builds over time. And I'm just so grateful that I finally started a podcast. The next thing that I absolutely love about podcasting and something that I've learned about doing 100 episodes is that it is like doing speaker training and vocal training and voice training every single week. Every time you have to show up at the microphone and then I listen back to every episode. So I hear myself and I listen and I learn. I learn what I sound like. I learn what my verbal tics are. I learn when I'm thinking on my feet and how it feels and how I sound. I learn what the good parts are, what I can improve. There is so much learning from getting into the arena and making something and doing the best you can and knowing that it is the doing of the thing that makes you better. 
It's not thinking about it or wondering about it or dreaming or saying one day or could I, but actually being, as the cliche goes, being in the arena and doing the work and showing up week after week and having a podcast where I committed to showing up week after week for now it's been a year and a half every single week means that I am committing to myself and my work and my confidence, even when I feel like crap. (laughs) There have been episodes where I've been sick and I can hear back. Like there's one time way back in the beginning, I got bronchitis and I got really behind on the episodes. Luckily, I had a couple in the can, as they say, and I got really behind on the episodes and I said, oh no. And I had to get on the mic and I sound like totally nasally and I asked a friend and she said, Sarah, I think you're the only one that really can hear the difference. So doing it anyways and continuing on has been one of the greatest gifts. Next, I want to share a little bit about what I've learned about doing the actual interviews. So there's the whole setup and the system of how do you get started? How do you like what mic do you use and all of the technical details? The next part I think that is really important that maybe sometimes gets overlooked is the quality of the interview itself. I have found that if the content is really good, if we're asking interesting questions and the people have good stories to share, then the technological details or the quality of the audio, as long as it is good enough, it actually doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be the best produced podcast episode ever. I make sure and I made sure when I started to hire an editor because I knew that I didn't want to have one person talking at a really quiet level and then someone else really loud and be actively annoying to the person listening. But beyond that, people tend to be pretty forgiving. If I call somebody and they're on a phone and it sounds like a phone call, it sounds like a phone call. And people are forgiving and they say, oh, it sounds like a phone call. That's what that sounds like. And there are a couple of times when my audio broke and I used my computer laptop and I didn't even know it. And I got this amazing interview with someone and then the audio quality was so crappy. And I was so upset and I was a little bit mortified because I almost was like, oh my God, how do I go back to this guest and tell them that I totally messed up? Well, the thing is, is the show must go on as the cliche goes, but also if the interview is really good and you have good enough audio, it's still good to produce it's still good enough to ship. Now, that means you need to get really good content on the inside. And I have used this as a practice of learning about how to do a great interview. And I would say that over the course of doing the podcast, I have gotten better as a coach and as a friend and as a partner because I've gotten better over time at asking better questions. Asking really good questions takes you so far in life. Things get more interesting the more questions we ask. So when it comes to doing an interview with somebody, here's what I like to do. I'll take you behind the curtain of my process. I like to ask what feels like a softball question in the beginning because everyone has an answer to it. It's not a complicated question. If I ask a really hard question like, tell me how we're going to take down the patriarchy, it's actually, it can be really hard. People need a warm up. So in the beginning, I like to ask a softball question that gets people talking. And if you've been a longtime listener of the show, you know exactly what that question is. The question is, what time did you wake up this morning and what was the first thing that you did? I love this question because it lets people tap into where they are today. 
it tells it gives us an honest look into who they are and what they've done. It connects us all really quickly because we all woke up this morning at some point or another, or maybe we stayed up all night, but it anchors us in the now, which is a really great place to start. It's not a difficult question to answer because even if you don't know what time you woke up, you can still answer the question. You can be like, you know what? I don't even know. And you can talk about why. That gets people into the conversation right away and it provides this rallying space for us to be on the same page. The next question I want it to be a relatively easy question, but I also want it to be a question that people can talk and answer for a long time. And this is something I learned from my friend Srini, but the longer the answer, the better. Because what you want to do, I I think, in my opinion, for a, a long form interview series, you want people to talk for a long time. The reason you want to get them talking is because the more open and vulnerable they are, and the more that they trust that you will listen to the full story, the better the interview is going to get. I haven't ever done this, but you could if you wanted to. You can delete the front stuff. But what you want to be able to do is create a space where people are willing to be honest and they will go there with you. And if you cut them off or you ask a question that's too short and you get into a rhythm that's like, what do you do for this? This. What do you do for this? This. And it's really short staccato answers back and forth. You actually don't get into the deep stuff. So I like to ask a open-ended, long question in the beginning because it just makes for a better interview. I find that if we don't, if we don't get to the, if we don't let them speak for a long time, they won't ever get to the good stuff. So my two cents for uh, great interviews, ask an easy to answer, but generous question in the beginning. Try to get them talking for a long time. Ask open-ended questions. And if you have a hunch that somebody is not, they're not done telling the story, but they are pausing, what I really like to say to follow up is, tell me more about that. Or tell me more about what that was like for you. Or what was it like emotionally? Or what was the experience of going through, they just shared a long story, right? So what was the experience of going through this complicated work scenario like for you? What was that like? And then another easy one, just to keep the ball rolling, because what I want to do most of the time is get them talking about interesting things and then have them keep talking because these people are so interesting, is the next question is, what happened next? I love that question. What happened next? It's like I'm just pushing play on a movie. The thing that this also requires is a lot of trust. I trust that the people that are coming on the show, and this is everyone, I actually don't think that anyone is not interesting. I think that everyone's interesting if we ask the right questions. The more questions we ask, the more interesting things get. And one of the ways that we suffer in our current society is that we ask really boring questions of each other and we don't give generous space for answers. So this all can also apply to our everyday lives. Ask lots of questions. Ask open-ended questions. Tell people, hey, Tell me more about that, or what happened next, or what was that like for you? I got a question from someone in our online Facebook group for Startup Pregnant, and she asked, how have you gotten more efficient over time in the podcast? I love this question because... As I talked about in the beginning, it is a tremendous amount of work. So I have been constantly trying to implement more systems for efficiency. When I book guests, I try to email a whole bunch of people in a flurry, like all at once, so that I'm in my inbox and I'm scheduling a lot of things. 
but I don't try to schedule them immediately. I actually try to put them out for far in the future. And I say, hey, I'm scheduling the summer season of the podcast. This will be, you know, in January. I'm scheduling the summer season. I'd like to record interviews in April and May. Are you available? And it's actually easier for people to say yes, because busy people tend to be booked out in advance. And asking for last minute things is not always a kindness. It requires a lot of scheduling shuffle, especially for women who are mothers and entrepreneurs. It can be really hard to do. So I batch a lot of the asking for the people that I want to interview. And then I have a whole sequence. So I have an intake form where I ask people to fill out before the show. And in it, I ask for all of their all of their press and PR and media details. And they can just paste in the link to their media page if they need to. But I do ask for a link for an image, for a bio, for their Twitter handle, for the, you know, the details. Ask for their details. And then I ask them if there's a particular question they want to make sure that I ask them on the show. So I let them have a little bit of input. I have canned responses in Gmail where I will set all of this up. And then I also have a I use Calendly as my scheduler and I have a link, a special custom link for the podcast where I, depending on what day of the week I do it, it has shifted over time. I used to do all the interviews on Wednesdays. Now I try to do them on Thursdays and Fridays. So that's a moving target, but I only have calendar times then. So I stack all my interviews and Calendly has great settings where you can say, don't schedule more than two in one day. Like if it's like, if scheduled two already, do not schedule any more, which is really helpful. I have done three in a day. It is a really, really full day. I can do the interviews, but then I don't get done with the post-production, which I have found over time doesn't help. After I do the interview, I try to immediately record the intro, the beginning sequence. Otherwise, I end up wasting a lot of time because later I have to go back and listen to the hour-long interview in order to write the intro segment, which I could have just recorded right then and there. One of the things I want to do is add back the mini episodes that came out every Thursday. So we had every Monday a uh, long-form interview with one of our awesome guests. And then on Thursdays, I was experimenting with mini episodes that are 5 to 10 minutes, sometimes 15 minutes, that dive deeper into one specific little moment from the interview. I have not had time to do them in a while, but I really wanted to do them. But I'm also presented with the conundrum of like, how do I share this podcast more widely? I don't need to double the number of episodes. I want to get the word out to more people. So I was talking to my operations strategist and she said, well, what if you did a Facebook Live? So you tapped into the audience of your Facebook pages and your own personal page and our group. And you did a Facebook Live on the day that the episode drops. So on Monday, we have a big interview with, let's say, Danielle Laporte. And then in order to share the episode, so to start to promote it, I go in and I do a Facebook Live and I say, hey, today we interviewed Danielle Laporte and these are some of the things that we talked about. And I wanted to specifically follow up on this idea of, and then pick an idea, right? Like taking two years to be in debt as part of your long-term life strategy, because that was something we talked about on that, that episode. And doing a Facebook Live specifically about a moment from the episode. So what that does is it shares the episode. And then I take the audio from that particular Facebook Live and I queue it up. I send it to our editing team and we create another, the mini episode that comes out on Thursday from that Facebook Live. We also have a video recording that we can share in other places and snippets on social media to continue to promote that first episode. 
So it takes a little bit more time on my part. It means, I mean, first of all, it means that I'm doing a Facebook Live every Monday, which is a big commitment for me because I usually batch things and I don't usually spend as much time being live. So that's going to be an experiment coming out this spring that we're going to try and play around with. But the dividends have the potential to be really huge because we have content on a platform that we can then repurpose and we can use advertising if we want to, if that's a strategy that I add down the the line. We engage people that are already interested in learning from us, and then we create little mini episodes that are useful for the podcast listeners. So I will always be open to your feedback. If you are listening now and you have thoughts and feedback about this, go join our Startup Pregnant Facebook group or send me a note to the email address, hello at startuppregnant.com, because this is always an experiment in an efficiency, in efficiency and systems and production. So that's our newest idea that we are playing around with. I think probably one of the most important things that I've learned from doing the podcast is that consistency is really important. We have an episode go out every single week, Monday at 5.30 a.m. And I know that there are a lot of people who have messaged me and said, I listen to this on my commute every week. I look forward to every episode that's coming out. And they listen to it with the kind of consistency that you can only get by doing something at the same time in the same place for a very long time. We do have bonus episodes that come out in between as necessary, but without fail, even across my own maternity leave, and even when it's gotten dicey like I've been down to the wire, we have a new show that comes out every Monday, and I do not miss my Mondays. I feel so strongly about this that if I ever miss a Monday episode, you all should come find me and see if there's something wrong, because something has gone wrong because I was not able to get an episode up on Monday. We have a new episode that comes out every Monday, and this level of consistency has been so important for growing the community. It has been so important for growing the relationship with people who come to expect us. It has been important for me and building my relationship with myself as a content creator. Do I do what I say I'm going to do? Do I keep doing it week over week? Do I produce the things that I believe in and that I want to see in the world? The answers to these questions are yes, and it's so important because I think in business, oftentimes we get so, so into the strategy and the just all of it, all the noise, and it comes down to who we are in relationship to our businesses and and what we're promising to show up and do, and the integrity around our intentions and the integrity around around our behavior. And to me, it has been so important to keep this thing going as, as almost the flagship product of Startup Pregnant that I, it is really hard for me to miss, uh, miss a day. And I have, I have worked over weekends to make sure that the podcast episodes go out because it is that important to me. Master projects that matter. When you are doing your work in the world, pick something that is important and that needs to be done. No matter what it is that you're working on, things take a long time to build. I don't actually think there are that many instant successes and the things that do go really, really fast have their own problems. Everyone's obsessed with the idea of scale, but honestly, if you go grow super quickly, it can be a real challenge because things start breaking in different ways and it can be really hard. I don't know if anyone remembers the Groupon effect, but a lot of times people thought Groupon was a great thing and then they would sell a whole bunch of things and then their business couldn't handle the demand. So know that things can take a long time and that it's okay. 
And then dedicate yourself to building something that matters, mastering a project. To me, the deep work in the world, the writing of the books, the thinking about ideas over space and time, the creating space for you to get better at something incrementally time and time again because you put the hours and hours and hours in of practice, those require dedication and foresight. And it is worth choosing things that are worth doing. I believe really strongly that we have to put the work into our bodies and into our minds. It's not just about the thing that we want to make in the world, but it's about the people we want to be in the world and the way that we practice and the way that we show up. So when I get behind this microphone, every single time I am practicing my ability to speak and to be candid and to be articulate, to be clear, to tell stories, and it is hard, but When I get to a place where I'm able to be so, so incredibly fluid on stage and pull stories and tell them and weave them together and have anecdotes, it's because I am putting the footsteps in now. I am doing the work now. I am getting better at it right now. And and I feel like even now I'm having a hard time articulating it, but I am just grateful for the ability to be a human that gets to practice. The very last thing I'll say about what I've learned from doing 100 episodes of this podcast is that this conversation that we are having, the one that you join me every week to listen to and the one that my guests who come on join and participate in, this conversation is really important. I started with just a small kernel of this conversation in my mind and it has expanded. And I know now that more than ever, we have so much work to do, all of us. I thought at first I was writing a book, then I thought I was starting a podcast, then it turned into a business. We have to follow this work and let it lead us as much as we lead the work, to be in relationship with it and listen as much as we direct. So in this work, I'm listening and I am growing and I am learning and I am expanding and I am realizing that this conversation that we're having around motherhood and what it means to be a working woman and a working parent and to be an entrepreneur and to be a founder and to be navigating all of this, especially at this moment in this time and often in the American U.S. society, it is such a critical and such an important conversation to be having. And things are changing. They are changing really fast and really slowly, depending on how you look at it right now. And being in this conversation to me is the most important place to be. And it's why I keep showing up time and time again. I didn't know how many episodes of this podcast I would create. When I started, I said to myself, I would create at least 100 episodes and I wanted to do 100 interviews. We have done 100 episodes and I've done, I believe it's 55 interviews at this point. We're not done. These stories are only the beginning. I feel like we will keep telling these stories until these stories get so repetitive that they are no longer interesting to tell. When I am tired of telling the stories, I will stop. But I feel like we are only, only just beginning. And you know, I always say this and I mean it. Leave us a review on iTunes if you like our show. It takes a few seconds and it really does help us a lot. If you want more of what we're talking about, go over to startuppregnant.com and get on our email list. We send out a weekly newsletter with time-saving tips for parents and entrepreneurs. And I always include a weekly gadget or tool or something awesome that we've stumbled upon to help make your life just a little bit easier. And as always, you can reach out to us at hello at startuppregnant.com. We love hearing from you.